Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, James. Hello, I'm James. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, James. So, um, Jen asked me to speak about two and a half weeks ago, and I was I was away on vacation, and um, I said, "Yeah, sure, that would be great." You'd give me more information when I get back to LA. So, in the middle of this week, she was like, "So, it's a 25-minute share," and I was like, "Okay, I can do 25 minutes." And I got here, and as he was like, well, it's more like a 40-minute share. <laughs> Depends how many people collect, collect down here. And I was, si- I was sitting there like this, right, come on, birthdays, newcomers, let's do this. Not to be. Um, and that, that right there is a part of my disease, you know, 40 minutes of me being seen is, I was just literally sitting there, like you can see it. I'm very, very nervous, and um, I have to admit those things. Like, once upon a time, I would just, I, I was, like, dead from about here upwards, and that was just the safest way for me to be. So before I'd have come to this meeting, I'd have probably eaten, and then I can tell you with the way that this is running through my body, I would have gone home and, and dealt myself a good, probably a pretty good binge. So that was how, one of the ways that I used to deal with the way that I felt. Um, I, I don't, feeling is better, but it's not something that's the most joyful thing for me. And um, I, found, I found a friend in eating. I, I really, uh, really did. One other piece of advice that Leslie gave me was get abstinent at six. And I was like, if only it was that simple. Um... So, I'll start with the, with the story, and uh, the story is that I grew up uh, in the UK, and I grew up on a small island, not the UK, just a British island that was 45 square miles, um, and I honestly had a reasonable childhood. I, I, I can't be like, oh, I got beaten. That, start, that part of it is not my story. Um, however... Uh, I did deal with rejection. I'm gay, and I realized I was gay at around eight years old. But I knew something wasn't acceptable at around three or four, I, w- I, w- I imagine. That's when I first started, like, hmm, something's not quite right about me. And that's when this sort of uniqueness, as it's called in the program, started to really uh, set in. But I can tell you that the food was an issue for me from the age of two. I have memories of either restricting or of overeating. And uh, the restriction used to be things... So my my parents did argue when I was very young, and I could could not cope with that anxiety. Um, And so what I did, it turns out, and I've learned this through program, is I wouldn't eat. 
And probably one of the most terrifying things it turns out for a parent to deal with is a child who will not eat any food. Um, and so in there was this like, as if I had control of them in some way, because when they were dealing with me not eating, they weren't arguing with each other. So that's, that's and, and I restricted for a long time. It was just like I didn't, I apparently didn't like food. And there were, I would go through periods of like cereal every meal, uh, mushroom soup for every meal, uh, toast and marmite every meal. That's just a British thing. But it, that's what I would do just like for three months. And my parents were just happy that I was eating. But I would eat that meal every meal for three months and then I'd move to the next one, then i move to the next one and then I'd go back to, to, once I got bored, I'd go back to the first one and I'd cycle through the food. Um, and I can still, I could still like live like that before I got into this program. Just find me something that I like and then I'm obsessive about it. Get me into that food. I will eat cereal at any time of the day. I'll eat toast at any time of the day. I'll eat ice cream at any time of the day. Doesn't matter whether it's breakfast, evening meal, whether I've eaten, haven't eaten. So that's the restriction part of it. The overeating side of it, there's a, a funny story about me. I think I was three. I ran away from my house, went to my next door neighbors, broke into their house. It was unlocked, but I mean, not for me to enter. Broke in, knew where their candy box was, and then they came home and found me on the floor, surrounded by Mars bar wrappers, covered in chocolate. But I mean, I can't tell you, I was three, I had eaten so much food. Like, literally so much food, I was already, there was some kind of comfort in eating in that way at three. Like, that's just, that's just how it was. Um, yeah, that kind of, uh, that was, that's, that's my drug, uh, candy, chocolate, are we, sorry, are we allowed to talk food? Candy, chocolate, uh, is a huge, that was always a huge thing for me. I would go to three or four bars of chocolate a day, uh, when I, even when I, like when I was 17 or 18, people would look at me like, how do you, how do you eat all of that food? And. I mean, I also have body dysmorphia, so thankfully I was doing, I practiced gymnastics, I was doing that five times a week, and that managed to balance off those two things. Um, so growing up a gay boy in on an island, it's probably about 20 years behind the UK in sort of mindset, and... I honestly thought I wasn't acceptable. Uh, and I also, I mean, I didn't even, I, I'm thinking about it now, at eight, I didn't even really know what was going on. I just knew that I had, I did have a weird attraction to, not even weird, there you go. That's, that's something, that's some kind of homophobia right there. Some kind of attraction to men I knew about when I was eight. And there was this feeling like, I am unacceptable. And so food was a really good way to deal with that. And it was never healthy food. It was always, it was always stuff like pizza, chicken nuggets, like whatever I could do to, to eat it, to eat those feelings away. 
And at the same time, what I did in society, what I did with friends, was I pulled away from them. They were not, a lot of them weren't safe. Um, I, I mean, I didn't come out till I was 22. So that whole period of time, I, I left that island when I was 18. That whole period of time, in some ways, I was, it was, I thought it was unacceptable for me to be who I was. And so that means most people are dangerous. It's not true, but for me, I perceived most people as dangerous, therefore it was safer to isolate myself, because then no one could really know me. The only people that really knew me, and they didn't, was my family. You know, I could be close with them, it felt safe, they were kind to me, and my best friend is still my sister now, and that was my safety, and I didn't, I felt like I didn't know how to fit in with the, with the rest of the world. Um, and I went chasing people who were never going to accept me for who I was. And that, that is painful. That's enough to eat over. So when I did finally move away, uh, I went to a college in London, and uh, that was really when my disease probably took its first sort of biggest progression. I was alone for the first time. Uh, I did have roommates, but really I was in control of my budget. I was in control of what food I ate. I was in control of when I went to the supermarket. And that was, that was great. And I, and I did, and that led to sort of like, at least at home, I felt like I was being watched so I wouldn't eat as much. When I was alone, I, w I would eat whatever I wanted. I would eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. I was doing five hours of dance a day and I was still putting on weight. So, the battle of being who I am and not showing that to other people has really been one of the through lines to the reason that I ate. So, I mean, even through college, I was not honest about who I was. That The secrets that I had, the dishonesty, the lack of integrity, it felt like, all came out in my food. Did I have integrity around food? No, I didn't. Did I, ha did I feel like I had integrity? No, I didn't. When, when I realized I was gay at 17, and this is, quite an, this is something very important I found out in program, I had grown up religious. I had grown up in a Christian family, and I believed that I could, I could pray the gay away. And I was trying. And I remember being in bed, uh, I was either 17 or 18, and realizing... God's not going to help me with this, so I'm going to do it myself. And I turned, I turned away from whatever higher power I had in, in my mind and whatever higher power I had in my life at that time. There was a, there's a very, there's a, there's a moment in my life where I know I was like, okay, I got it. And so that moment was also the moment that I moved away and, um, you know, it took a while to realize that I did not have it. 
I did not have it. And when my sort of way of having it is control people, control my food, control my body, control things. I had to have control over what was going on because I did not have faith that there was a power greater than me dealing with my life because I wanted something and my higher power wasn't going to give it to me. I realized that. I never ever thought that maybe I was just fine as I was and this is exactly how my higher power wanted me to be. That did not cross my mind for a second. I needed to be like other people wanted me to be or I perceived they wanted me to be. So... before I get out. Um, yeah, that progression, that progression, I came out when I was 22. I'd been in a straight relationship before that. We were actually, interestingly, I was with um, a, a woman who had an eating disorder. I could see her eating disorder, I just couldn't see my own. I was like, well, you, you got a problem. Uh, I, <laughs> She's not eating anything, and I'm eating everything, but I was okay. Um, and I really only realized that once I, once I came into these rooms. You know, the, the, how vast this program is, and the different types of people, different, how this disease comes out in people, is just incredible. And I'm so grateful for it, because... I might not fully relate to somebody, but if I look for the similarities, they are always, always there. Why was I eating or why was I starving? Often those experiences are very, very similar. Um, so I had been in a straight relationship. We, we both had eating disorders. I then, we broke up. I then uh, came out. Um, dealt with my family and that, and they were actually really wonderful. Um, but there was a lot of, there has been a lot of work to do with that acceptance. That's a huge, um, that's a huge part of this program for me and another program that I'm in that what underlies the food is this feeling of shame about myself. And the food helps me to stop feeling shame for a small amount of time the problem with the food is that I got to a point where I was starting to feel shame for eating the food. So now I'm in a, I'm in a cycle. I don't want to feel shame, so I eat. Now I, now I feel shame for eating, so I'm never going to eat again. But I can't, I can't control that cycle. Like I'm saying I'm not eating as I'm putting the food in my mouth. And then I feel ashamed again, and we move around this revolving door. I heard it called a revolving door the other day. Um, and I, would, I was just doing this. And so uh, my second serious gay relationship, he also had an eating disorder. There is definitely a theme. I also thought he had an issue. Couldn't see my own. Um, I'm actually just coming to terms with that right now as I'm t talking to you guys. I'm like... Oh my goodness, that's unbelievable. It's not, but it sort of is. Um, so I was 12 years in London, and then I was like, I want to move to America. I, I, I had wanted to do it for a long time, and I, the opportunity came up, 
and I and I moved. And again, I moved alone, and the disease made another huge progression in that move. You know, I am no good at being alone, even though apparently I want to be alone all the time. <laughs> so it's it is a weird one. It's like I want to isolate, but I can't cope with that isolation, and therefore I eat. Um, so yeah, I mean, I moved here. I didn't know anybody. I really thought it was going to be this kind of experience of. I, I don't know. I, I had friends and everything in London, and I was like, nope, I'm doing this thing. And so I did, and it was really, really lonely. I was very, very fortunate that I had a friend who helped me make friends with another Brit who was here, a uh, female, and we happened to live together, so I had some connection to the outside world. Um, but that's when I started, I mean, I started stealing her food. I'd like uh, put... My cereal, her cereal into my bowl, try and leave enough that she wouldn't realize that I'd stolen it, promise that I'd return it, not return it. Um, yeah, the food got, but what happened really was the binging got worse. So, you know, it, it had gone from like eating a big meal to there not really being any beginning or end to, to this meal that I was eating. It would often happen sort of around four o'clock. That, that was my binge time. And I would just get this power would come over me and I'd be like, I'm going to go to the store. And I would, I would drive myself to the store. And then I would be like picking my favorite stuff. So it's going to be ice cream. It's going to be pizza. It's going to be cereal. I had this thing for trail mix. It's all in the basket. I'm getting home. I'm closing the door. I'm, I'm closing the blinds. I'm putting television on because TV is real important. TV checks me out of what's going into my body. Like 100%. I still have to sit and watch the television as I'm eating my one plate of foods. I don't know if that will ever go away. There's some comfort in it, but it definitely takes my mind off of how much food I am putting in my body and whether I even taste it or not. I mean, honestly, second bite, I'm done with tasting. It's just literally, sh it shovel it's shoveling it in. Okay. Um, then I moved to, my roommate moved away and I moved alone. There's another progression there. So we, I moved from probably binging once a week, twice a week. I have to just go back slowly. I have also tried restrictive diets as well, just so that it's not just like I, I can't cope with the amount of food that I put in my body, so I have to, have to, have to work out to make that work. And so I tried all sorts of things. It was always, because I, I like working out, it's actually good for me, but it was always things around that, like, restrict my food, or the final time was, I, I'm only allowed to eat in, a, in an eight-hour window. It's two meals. They're huge meals, so that suited me because then I was full. In actual fact, it was difficult to eat the second meal, but I was eating it. And then it was three workouts a week. So all of it suited me. The issue was, and the, the guy who gave me the training was like, you cannot eat outside of this plan. I'm not capable of that. I am not capable of that. So I was capable of it for a month. And everything was going great.